I don't know about you, but uh, there's been occasions in my life where my perspective has been changed. Uh, this happened a few years ago. Uh, our family, we have sponsored uh, kids through Compassion International, and uh, we started by sponsoring Stephen. And uh, Stephen lives in Ecuador, and uh, uh, we've sponsored him for probably close to 12 or 14 years. Um, he's now out of the program, graduated through the program. Uh, but we had this opportunity to develop a relationship with Stephen and to, through sending letters and uh, through communicating with him, praying for him. And then we started sponsoring Diana. Uh, Diana is uh, in Bolivia. And so we, again, were able to sponsor her starting very young. And she's now 11 or 12 years old. And so um, we thought we had a pretty good understanding of how, how this works. We, we send letters. Um, there's a monthly you know, sponsorship uh, that we send. Um, and that money goes to you know, provide medical care and dental care and, and goes towards hot meals at the center you know, for the days that she's there, supplies, Bible lessons, etc. So we thought, we're good. We understand how this works. Well, a few years ago, uh, 2017, I guess it was, myself and a few others, we got to go to Bolivia uh, to visit uh, with a student that the um, staff sponsored. And uh, she was graduating, so we were there. But while we were in Bolivia, I figured... I've got to make this happen. And so I was able to visit uh, Diana and her family. And so I'm, I'm sitting at the table or, you know, outside her home. And um, the impact that that relationship has, I learned, was far greater than I really ever imagined. She, she pulls out a binder that has every letter we've ever sent her. Our picture is on the wall in her room. My perspective, what I witnessed there, the love that she had for me, she was just thrilled, smiling ear to ear just because I was there. That changed my perspective on what it means to be a sponsor. It changed my perspective on what it means to, to be a father for my own kids how am I teaching and training my own children when I see what Diana has or doesn't have and the joy that she has? My perspective was changed. My, I think about life differently. We, we, we're more conscientious about how much water we use. We're more conscientious about how we spend our, our money because my perspective was changed. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe your perspective has changed because of something you witnessed. Because when we witness something that is personally significant for us, something changes inside. Hopefully we, we think and we act differently. Maybe our faith is changed as well. Maybe we treat our faith a little differently as well. This morning, we're going to look at a group of guys whose perspective was changed based on what they witnessed. And everything from there is different. So if you would, take a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1. If you're using one of those Bibles on the seat, it is page 1006. And so the book of Acts is um, written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And where we are now, it's 40 days after uh, the resurrection. And so Jesus has been hanging out with the disciples. 
making his presence known. Hey, guys, I'm back. Uh, he's resurrected from the dead. He's been talking with them. He's been meeting with them. He's been um, kind of proving that, you know, he is truly alive and uh, not just a figment of their imagination. Um, and Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit's going to come. But until that, does, until that happens, you're to stay in Jerusalem, is what he tells them. And while he's been making these appearances and talking with them, he's been uh, talking specifically about the kingdom, the kingdom of God that's coming. And so that brings us right here now to verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Let's stop there. Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore your, your kingdom? They're standing on the Mount of Olives, standing next to or with the crucified, risen Jesus. And these guys have seen some amazing things. Not just that Jesus was raised from the dead, but they have seen some incredible things. And now Jesus has been talking about the kingdom. Well, this is it, right? Lord, now you, you're unstoppable. They can't kill you now. They already tried that. Let's go get Rome. Let's go take out these authorities. Let's establish your kingdom. Let's go do it. Come on. We got Jesus. They can't stop you. Jesus doesn't correct them. He just redirects them. And so he, he says, uh, yeah, we're talking about a, a kingdom. Yeah, we're talking about a spiritual kingdom, a physical kingdom. And that, that's going to happen, but not yet. You're not to know the time of when that happens. Only God the Father knows that. And while you're waiting for God to reveal that time, there's something I want you to consider. There's, I've got some work for you to do. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Disciples, while you're waiting for the coming kingdom and for the kingdom to come and bring an end to Roman oppression and, and persecution and all that, you've got some work to do. Um, but you're not going to be able to do this on your own. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And once you have the Holy Spirit, then, then you can leave Jerusalem and you can go to the next city and to the next city and, and be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And as they looked out from the Mount of Olives, I mean, that, that scene that you saw in that picture, I mean, that's pretty, pretty incredible. And Jesus is saying, you're going to be my witnesses in all that and beyond. Now, they don't have a map in front of them. If they did, it's not going to be complete because parts of the world hadn't been discovered yet. And um, even if they did, I'm sure they'd you know, point to each corner and say, the ends of this earth? And people still at this time think the world is flat. And Jesus is calling them to go to the ends of the earth to be his witnesses. Jesus knows how big of a task this is. Jesus knows how huge of a task this is. He also knows the world isn't flat. This is going to be a huge, huge task. Impossible to do by our own strength. To reach the nations. And this is where missions comes in. You know, missions is not just a term that we use to, 
to describe a few people who go off to become missionaries. Missions is a term that we use to refer to the collective work of the church, big C church, global church, in reaching across cultural, religious, ethnic, and geographic barriers to advance the work of making disciples of all nations. Cultural, religious, ethnic, and geographic barriers. Culturally speaking, these guys, these disciples are, sure, they've traveled with Jesus. They're not super learned men. Some of them are, you know. They haven't taken a world religions class or a world cultures class. Probably haven't traveled too much more than where they've traveled with Jesus, but, you know, that's okay. Um, they, they know Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew probably, but when they start heading out to the ends of the earth, they start, I mean, China, other areas, they don't know the language. Huge cultural barriers for this small group of 11 guys. And even if they did understand it, they, it was not like they had a Bible with them, you know, to be able to explain, well, let's turn to Matthew and let's see what Jesus did and let's, let's talk about that. They could take the Old Testament with them, scrolls, big barriers there as well. Let's talk about geographical barriers. There's no planes, trains, or automobiles. They're going on foot or a chariot or boat. It's going to take a long time to go to the ends of the earth. I mean, I'm sure there were, some of them were already thinking about logistics, right? How are we going to get there? Where are we going to stay? Where are we going to get our food? Who's going to fund this? Because we're going to need money for this, right? I mean, what happens to our family while we're out being witnesses for Jesus? Can we take our families with us? What's that going to look like? Uprooting my family? Lots of details, I'm sure, are spinning through some of their heads. Peter's already jumping to conclusions, I'm sure. Peter's ready to go. James is probably getting faint just thinking about it. I'm sure that each of them were responding differently and they're standing on the Mount of Olives with Jesus. He gives them, gives them this assignment that seems impossible. But that's why Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. This task has ripple effects for us. It extends to us as well as followers of Jesus because the ends of the earth still haven't been reached. This is the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Jesus says, what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is what the task is. To be witnesses. To go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And these nations, the ethne, these are political or these are cultural groups not just political states. It's not like we have a map and Jesus says, okay, you go to this one, we're going to check that one off. It's not contained by borders. People groups are not countries. People groups are groups of people that have a similar culture, a similar language. According to the Joshua Project, there are over 17,000 people groups. 7,000 are unreached. 7,000 people groups, we're talking about millions and billions of people, are unreached, meaning they don't have the Bible in their own language. They may never even heard the name of Jesus. There's no church or sustaining gospel presence in their culture or in their area. 7,000 people, or 7,000 people groups. That is a lot of people. The task is not finished. 
And if we're going to be used by God to reach every tongue, every tribe, every people group, we need a power that is far greater than ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. We've got it. We've got it as individuals, as followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's within us. We need it as a church, as we look at our mission and vision as a church, to take on this huge task. To be witnesses for Jesus. A witness is someone who does what? To, to tell and to share about what they've seen or heard. That's what the disciples were. Christians all around the world. We're all witnesses of God's work in our lives. We have the Bible. We can be witnesses to what we've seen God do. In our, in our homes, in our lives. Believers, followers of Jesus. We are uh, together in one common bond of faith that extends beyond borders and languages because the global church is bigger than that. And we are called to be witnesses to the nations. That is what he has called us to do. Witnesses of his saving grace and work on us. I shudder to think what I would be like without Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? What would you be like without Jesus? I've seen him do some amazing things in my life. I've seen him do amazing things in the life of my family. And I've seen him do amazing things in the lives of some of you and other people. God does amazing things. And we are called to be witnesses of that. I can be witness to what I've seen God do and share that. That's my responsibility. That's my assignment is to share that with others. The disciples were witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. They saw him standing there with them. The risen Jesus. They were witness to many miracles they've seen Jesus do. And they're called now, put on assignment, to be witnesses of all they've seen and heard and to tell others about him. To be witnesses of God's love, to love God and to love others, his, his task before us, to share with others what they, um, that they can find hope and forgiveness of sin by a Jesus who raises people from the dead, who has the power to cast out demons, to make the lame to walk again, and to give sight to the blind, that's some witness. They've seen it personally. To go out from Ju Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What about us? We can give testimony to God's work in our lives. We can give testimony that we've seen the Holy Spirit work in our lives to grow our faith. We can give testimony to how we've seen Jesus change lives, gives us hope when we were hopeless. To be witnesses wherever we go. Being a witness for Jesus wherever you are, including right where you are. Live your witness where you are. Live your witness where you are. You don't have to fly uh, you know, around the world to be a witness for Jesus. You can do it. You should be doing it right where you are. Live your witness right here where you are. That means if you're on the soccer field or at ballet practice or in the doctor's office or sitting in traffic, wherever you are, be a witness for Jesus. Giving testimony of what he has done of what he has said. Live your witness where you are because 
When we do that, when we are witnesses, we are going to be identified with Christ. I mean, that's going to happen as followers of Jesus, and the world is going to be watching us. So what's your witness? They're going to see if our testimony matches with our identity. Are we being witnesses for Jesus, or are we just blending in with the rest of the crowd and having no witness? Live your witness where you are. Now, for the disciples, Jerusalem was home base. They were most comfortable there, right? But it wasn't going to be easy. I mean, persecution starting to ramp up. I mean, after, you know, killing Jesus, there were rumors that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body. And that's why, you know, he didn't really raise from the dead, but somebody stole his body. Well, can you imagine, who do you think they're going after? They're going after the disciples, right? The Roman authorities, the, the, the Jewish leaders, they're going to be chasing after them. So it's not going to be safe in, Jeru- in Jerusalem. There's going to be persecution there. But Jesus says, start here to be my witnesses before you go out. For you and for me, our, our Jerusalem might be at home, being witnesses for Jesus in front of our kids, in front of our neighbors. Um, could be at the bus stop, rubbing shoulders with folks at the grocery store. It might be among the people that we see all the time. And for some of us, being witnesses for Jesus at home is where we may face some of the greatest persecution. Because we see these folks every day in our neighborhood, out in the front yard. I want to introduce you to Tom Cummings. Uh, Tom and his um, family, and some of you are, uh, live in Newtown Grant, and they have begun doing this outreach. So, Tom, I have a chair here for you. And uh, why don't you sit on this side? You sit that side. My notes are here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to throw you off, right? So, um, Tom, you guys are in Newtown Grant, and uh, you have this outreach. Tell me how that got started. Sure. So, uh, my wife Barbara and I started attending here about three years ago, and one of the primary reasons we we started attending was because we've lived in this area, Newtown Grant, for a long time, and the church we were attending was a great church, but it wasn't nearby, and we wanted to get a little bit more connected with our um, community and then also be able to connect our church with those individuals as well. So that was the, the starting point. And about a year and a half ago, you know, I was just praying about you know, an opportunity to be able to, um, to reach out. And at the same time, I found out that, um, I guess by divine appointment, that the leadership, Dave Wolf and, and the elders were praying about certain areas of this community that, that we could reach out to. And Newtown Grant was one of those areas. And so Dave was instrumental in connecting a bunch of us. So um, um, there was a core group. Uh, Steve was part of the group. There a lot of people who came. We just started doing some planning as to what might work in Newtown Grant. Dave was there. And uh, we met at Ivan Lamb's house. So Ivan and Issa, um, uh, Jack and Marge, Marge Edmond, and, and a bunch of us, Kelly Talley. So a bunch of us. And what we really eventually came to is a core group of about six of us, um, Barbara and me, Ivan, and Isa, and then uh, Jack and Marge. And what we started to do was just really plan things out. We didn't have anything in mind. We just knew we wanted to serve. And so we started meeting on a regular basis every other week or so and started planning some activities. And what it came down to was in that group where we live, there are activities planned. And so we started to see how we could get ourselves and sort of input ourselves into the process. So um, 
without going through the list of things we tried out, a couple of areas that just kind of really seemed to gel. One was some volleyball outreaches. There was a volleyball mm. pit over there that nobody uses, and we started playing some volleyball events. Mm. And then the other piece was the uh, Newtown Grant yard sale, which was more of a bigger goal, like can we really reach sure. a, a larger a group? And, and that was successful last year, and then we also did it yesterday. So um, we've seen some Yeah, so that's what some of these photos are, right? This is, this is yesterday at the yard sale. So yeah. tell me about, like, so what's going on here? I mean, what's, what, what do you do? I mean, you're out there, you know. Yeah, so, so um, I don't know if people in the community know that. It's one of the largest yard sales in the area where, where literally there's 100 and something people who sign up and they, they put all their stuff out in, in parking spaces along the whole back part of the recreation center area. And uh, people from all around Bucks County come to it. It's pretty well known. So what we decided to do was set up a table there where we will uh, literally give out water, snacks, goodies, and we just have a barber designed a little, uh, you know, kind of poster board that talks about Grace Point and all the different activities we, um, we offer here, and then we just let it go from there, and then we literally get out front, and, and, and my daughter Erin was there too. We like to have younger people there as well, kind of brings more sure. people in. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and from there, we just literally just start uh, engaging people as they come by. And it's, it's just amazing what you see. You see people who are from other churches who are very grateful that you're there. Hmm. They're like, this is great. Keep it going. You have people who have been to other outreaches at the church. One person came to our, you know, um, our uh, summer outreach that we just had, the big picnic. And they said, that was great. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to start mm -hmm. coming to more things. So it was a connection there. And then there were just people who were searching. You know, hmm. one person was looking for a church. There were people we got a chance to share the gospel with. And, um, and, and uh, a little shout-out to Kelly Talley, who she does another ministry where they give out water. And they, they, uh, she created these tags that we, we give to all the waters. We give out hundreds of these bottles of water to people. Hmm. And it talks about uh, uh, the woman at the well where Jesus says, everyone who, think, who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give and will never be thirsty again. And we put these on all the bottles and we give them out and people read them. Nobody throws them away. They all take them with them. So it's, hmm. they're creative ways to just think about getting the word of God to people who are in our community. That's neat. So it's nothing super, you know, technical, right? You're not, you know, big plans. You're starting kind of small. Done a couple of different things like that. Um, what would you say to the person who's sitting here and thinking, that sounds like a great idea, but I'm no evangelist. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I think we all have the picture of the evangelist who's this, you know, powerful person who's, you know, proclaiming Christ in the streets. And, and, and I believe that truly is a gift. Um, but that's not what we're doing. And I don't think that that's what I'm called to. But I am, I think we're all called to be involved in evangelism. And, and, and I think what that really comes down to is, is just making yourself available, right? So, uh, again, the conversations that we had yesterday were not they were preordained by the Lord. They weren't preordained by us. We had no idea what conversations are going to come up. Mm -hmm. And every time we do this, whether it's a volleyball and it's just one person who's searching, that for some reason last year uh, a young man came to church for the first time, I think. Mm -hmm. um, he heard the gospel here. Uh, uh, this year um, my daughter was able to share a Bible with a young woman who was searching. Mm -hmm. Like neat. These are things that are coming from small little um, meetings of just a couple of people or larger groups like this. Yeah. So I guess the one thing I would just encourage people is is that if you have a heart to do this or if you just feel like, you know, I, I want to I be part of the Great Commission, I want to start getting out, just think of some activities and, and, um, and just kind of plug yourself in and just see what God's going to do and just pray over it. The other thing that was very helpful for us was um, – like Ivan and I work well together, and I think sometimes if maybe it's just you and another person, it gives you a little more confidence, and you just kind of go somewhere together that you can actually 
you know, you can really make a difference. Yeah. You can, you, you'd be surprised the conversations you start having. And, and the goal might just be simply to say, hey, we're from Grace Point. We'd like to sponsor your, uh, you know, your event you're doing. We'll bring in some food. And, and usually people say, yeah. fine. The next thing you know, they'll say, well, tell us about Grace Point. And that's your, your door. Yeah. You know, you just walk through it. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Okay. I'm sure, you know, if you're thinking maybe you want to start something like that in your community, I'm sure Tom would love to chat with you and talk to you about what he's done and what they've been doing there. But they're, these guys are putting themselves out there, right? Rubbing shoulders with the folks in their community who are now identified with people from the church or being followers of Jesus. You know, they're, they're putting themselves out there. Dr. Oswald Smith said this. I love this quote. The light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. The light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. If I take this flashlight and if I shine it across the room a little bit, you know, I can kind of see it on the wall over there, sort of. It's not really going to do that great of a good. It's not that bright. If I take this spotlight, just kidding, I'm not going to plug it in. Um, but, you know, there's a much greater difference, right? This light is much brighter. It can go much farther. Think of a lighthouse. Ships at sea. They need a really bright light to guide them home. And where in each of those cases is the light the brightest? At the source. Where is our light the brightest? The source is where it has to be. The source that is Jesus. And when our light is bright here in our own communities, close to Jesus, close to the source, then our light can be used much greater distances to the ends of the earth. That's Jerusalem being lights for Jesus here at home. The disciples were called to go to Judea. Judea isn't that much different little bit of cultural difference, not much, but huge Jewish population, not a big deal. They could probably do that here in our Bucks County area, it might be our Judea. You know, we're going out a little further than just Newtown here from our, our area. We can get by um, unless you go to that far distant land of strangers called New Jersey. <laughs> there are strange people over there. And I'm from New Jersey. South Jersey, though. South Jersey. It's very different. Um, so that's Judea. Let's talk about Samaria. Samaria is a place that was filled with hatred and what some would call half-breed population of people. I mean, the, the Jewish people didn't really want anything to do with Samaritans. I mean, the reason why the, the parable of the Good Samaritan was so shocking was because they didn't like Samaritans. But yes, disciples, even Samaritans need Jesus. Even Samaritans need Jesus. And this was probably going to be one of the hardest things for these disciples to do. After living and growing up their entire life being taught that Samaritans are bad people, we want nothing to do with them. I think for us, our Samaria should be a place that's pretty cross-cultural. Should be a place where the people there don't think like me, look like me, speak like me, vote like me look like me, live like me. It's cross-cultural. And those people need Jesus. 
That could be going to Kensington down in the city, or it could be going to the deep south, go down to New Orleans. That's a whole other country. Very different. Somebody like that. Thanks, Kathy. It's good. Very different culture, right? Where what I know about the Northeast, what I know about life in the Northeast is not going to do me any good down in the south. While we're here in Samaria, I want to camp out here just for a second, and I, I want to say something. Our Samaria will probably be the hardest for us. This is the place where racial barriers, political opinions will come to the surface. This is where we often need to place those stereotypes and those, those ideas, those preconceived notions that we have on the shelf. To be witness for Jesus means to be a witness to Jesus for all people. And as followers of Jesus, we do not get to choose how we treat people. Jesus loves all people. And that is what we are called to do. We don't get to choose who gets Jesus and who doesn't because of the way that people think or the way that they act or because they're different than we are. We need to see people as Jesus sees them. And it doesn't matter if they're Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim. It doesn't matter if they're African American or Middle Eastern or uh, Asian. It doesn't matter. Hispanic. Every single person needs Jesus. Jesus died for the whole world. God loves the whole world. And it's our job to take Jesus to the whole world. I got one amen, that's good. That is our task. That is what Jesus has called us to do. It doesn't say to just go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the people that are like me. Jesus didn't die just for the tall, skinny white man that's standing on stage and the Steve Weirs of this world. He died for all people. And it's our job to take the gospel to them. Our students had an opportunity this summer to go cross-cultural, to go to Navajo Nation in New Mexico. And I'm going to invite Tony and, and the team, and they're going to share about their experience uh, of going cross-cultural uh, this summer. You guys should all be very proud of what these students accomplished this summer. Um, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. They exemplified this this summer. We went to Navajo Nation, and I thought, we're going to New Mexico. It's in the U.S. It's a third world country within the borders of the U.S. It was mind-blowing. Um, at moments, I thought we were on an episode of Dirty Jobs. Just the things that happened during the trip. Um, at first, when prepping for the trip, I got an email and it said, first sight, there will be no running water. There will just be outhouses. And we're not talking porta potties, we're talking outhouses. Second sight, you'll have bathrooms. The second sight, the bathrooms broke, so we had outhouses the whole time. Um, God taught me and reminded me that teen missions, the focus is the teens, they are the mission. And in the process, he showed me a couple things. There's two examples I want to show, share with you. As we were getting ready to go and trying to get this mission trip going, um, one of the teens 
wasn't sure and would tell me, I'm not sure if I'm going to go. So me wanting to fix it, I wanted to talk, but I'm going, just pray. So I prayed. Then I think I'm going. No, no, God doesn't want me to go. In my mind, I'm going, are we talking to the same person? So I just prayed. And then the most beautiful thing, God, God works in mysterious ways and most wonderful ways. She said to me, I did a devotion. God wants me to stretch. I'm going. And it was amazing. When we were there, my job is to get the teens to the mission field. So we're driving along, and I'm going, we're running out of time. We have to get there. So we get a rest stop. There's a lady with a flat tire. I'm going, we're behind schedule. We don't have time for this. Um, Steve tells me, we really should stop and help that lady. I'm going, okay, we don't have time. I have to get them to the mission. God needs to work with us over there. And I'm going, okay, which character am I in this Good Samaritan story? Do I not have time? This is, this is discipleship process for the teens. So the boys and I change the tire. Steve and Amy get to witness and share the gospel with this lady. So what I've asked the teens to share with you this morning is what impacted them the most from being with the Navajo Nation and what God taught them this summer. My name is Marissa, and at first I was really hesitant. I wasn't super excited about going because I was going to have a really busy summer and it was going to be hot and work. But then my wonderful father reminded me that I made a commitment. So I'm really thankful for that because I had a great experience. I really grew to love my group and I definitely learned a lot about myself. And I think God taught me that um, it's not always about what I want and it's about God's plan, not my plan. My name is Vance Fotris. Um my father, my mother. <laughs> um, my story was a little interesting. I met a guy named Virgil, and all of the Navajo people were, like, so positive and happy and nice, even though they had so little compared to everything around them. Then he taught me a lot, like how to work a saw, nail gun, all of that, how to build a deck. <laughs> Um, yeah, he felt like a, another parental figure than my father or my mother. It was really fun. Uh, it taught me how I take everything for granted because he had no water, like, at all. So he couldn't take a shower, wash clothes, any of that, which is just so sad. And then he was also a pastor before that. And then they fired him or let him go for some weird reason. I don't know why. Hi, I'm Rohana, and um, oftentimes when I want to break the ice with people, I ask them to tell me their life story. So I did the same for these two girls who came to our second VBS, Sequera and Mary, and they were both they were 15 and 13. And um, Sequera answered by saying it's a sad one. She told me that um, her life was good, but um, her father got laid off from his job, and both of her parents became heavy alcoholics. And um, it was so bad to the point that sometimes her and her seven siblings didn't have any food on the table. And um, they ended up in the foster care system for some time until their aunt um, adopted them. And um, 
they had a really difficult life and I had the opportunity to drop them off at their home um, because they were staying with their parents for some time and um, their house was like a small shack and I was just blown away by the fact that 10 people once lived here and um, I remember talking to Sequera afterwards and she, t she told me that when she graduates high school, she wants to go straight into the military so she can support her parents and move them off the reservation. And I was just blown away by the kindness and the joy that she had because she, even though her parents had put her through so much pain, she still cared for them and wanted the best for them. And it put a lot of things into perspective for me. My name is Nathan Wolf and I, as Vance said, I found that people were very happy with the little that they had. And there were specifically these two boys that lived right across this ravine from where we were staying. And they had, they lived in a mobile home. And they were so happy about everything. They were so excited to go outside because, like, their mother wouldn't, didn't want them to go outside. And they were just so happy to be able to, like, come to our, our two-day VBS and get to spend time with us. I'm Alexandria, and I'm the girl that Tony was talking about that wasn't sure if they wanted to go. And I'm really glad I ended up going. It was the best week of my life, and I wouldn't trade it for literally anything. And the biggest thing that hit me was um, there was two girls that I was with at our second VBS. And I went to go drop them off at their house. And when we went to the area that it was, it was just trailers there that didn't even have windows. It was just holes with blankets um, to keep things out. And they were just so happy being there, and they just had such joy with what they had, and it really made me come back with such a more grateful heart. I'm Emma, and there's a verse from Isaiah that says, God can make beauty from ashes. And that's really what I saw there. These people had nothing, but they had so much joy, and they had God, and that's all they needed. Hello, I'm Bonnie Botris, mother of Talon and Vance and the wife of Tony Botris. My preparations for Navajo Nation began when I was 16 years old in the Dominican Republic. Again, when I was 17 in Hungary and when I was 18 in the Netherlands. All three were mission trips led by youth leaders from the First Baptist Church of Newtown, Brace Point. Having missions experience as a teenager was crucial to my experience to begin to see where I could fit in God's church and in God's story. Fast forward to this past July, packing for Navajo Nation as a youth leader this time around, and I had the joy of once again going on a missions trip with Amy and Tony, who were with me during two of those trips I just mentioned. I packed my teenage experience of courage from the Dominican Republic, hence the suitcase, faith from Hungary, and endurance from the Netherlands. I also packed the understanding that the mission is not just the locals, but discipleship within the team as we do life together. Multiplication, right? It's awesome. <laughs> After this trip, humility is what I remembered the time I needed to ask help from the whole team to tip the outhouse to retrieve the keys from the bottom. <laughs> And out of humility comes thankfulness, and I'm so thankful to God for the experience to once again um, be a part of something bigger than myself and the opportunity to be part of this wonderful team. Thank you. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, 4 through 6, 
Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And it was my privilege on this trip to see this verse in action uh, with all the leaders and all the teens uh, working in the Navajo Nation. It brought a huge smile to my face to observe the kids working hard, working well with each other, and enjoying doing it while they were, while they were working. Uh, the Lord uh, gifts us all individually. We have different life experiences, different abilities, different personalities. And um, it was a joy to watch each one here on stage use their talents for the whole of the group in ministering to both the Navajo children and adults. And I am going to quickly zip through this line and, and share a little bit about each person and how they shined as an ambassador for Jesus Christ while we were in the Navajo Nation. So, Tony, it was just a privilege to... I always get teary-eyed. <laughs> it was... Um, just a privilege to watch him love on these kids and have a passion to share and live Christ out with them. Uh, Marissa, I loved your energy and enthusiasm while you're playing with the little kids. Vance, and I'm going to um, put Nathan in there as well. Watching the two of you work together with laughter and tenacity, um, and you saw some of the pictures up on the board of them trying to move this wheelbarrow. Rohana, your easygoing confidence and leadership throughout the week was just a joy to watch. Alexandria, I loved peeking out for hours, watching you blow bubbles with little Rebecca, three-year-old Rebecca. Um, when the rest of the team went to work, you stayed with her, and you just continued playing with her for hours, and that was beautiful to see. Emma, I thank you personally because uh, you, you had this helpful concern for me when I was weeding um, you came over and you said, hey, can I take over because uh, I don't want your migraine to come back again today. So I'm very thankful. Um, Fiona, I loved watching you when we all had the chore of going around the, the uh, church property and having to pick up little pieces of trash and bubble gum that you did it with such a, uh, a kind and non-grumbling and diligent spirit. And it was really fun to watch you do that. Talon, you were uh, just kind. I love your gentle smile, and you're just fun to be with the whole trip. And uh, Bon, your organizational skills, your, your uh, creativity in pulling together VBS and the crafts, thank you for that. And Steve, Steve, has, Steve just knows the Bible, and his ability to, to share the Bible um, with, with such readiness to Shannon, who, who uh, had a flat tire on the street, he just was ready and prepared, and, and Shannon accepted Christ in her heart, and that was beautiful to see. So, observing and serving together uh, Christ's path for us on this trip was really a beautiful moment in time. So I'd like to thank the team, and I'd like to thank Grace Point for your interest, for your investment, for your uh, prayers, for your finances, for all of us, so that we could go on this trip together. And most importantly, thank you, God, above, for our Lord loves and deems each of us, whether young or mature, be it in spiritual maturity or age, an integral part of his body to be used by and for him, just as he wants for his glory and praise. Hi, I'm Steve. Um, 
we could really, if we had the time, we could all probably talk for at least an hour, uh, especially as adults, about the kids, because the kids don't want to talk about themselves. Uh, I, I am reminded on social media of a story that I have seen a couple times go around, and it is about how short-term missions is a horrible idea. Uh, it's just a church paid vacation for people that want to go into these third world countries and get photo ops with these poor little kids that are so grateful that us wonderful North Americans came and loved on them and make us feel good about ourselves. Um, and I never commented on those things because other than 1980 when I went to Australia for eight weeks, uh, I had not been on a short-term mission trip. I'm like, what do I know? I've never been. Uh, and by God's grace and the generosity of this church, uh, I've been able to go on two mission trips now with Bolivia and, and this. And uh, so one of the things that I did was I asked the people where we went what their feeling was about these short-term missions. And I just want to say to you from them, those articles are lies. <laughs> uh, those people are so grateful uh, when people come and just show them a love of Christ and, and share with them. In fact, uh, the pastor, uh, you know, asked us, said, can you guys come back again next year? He wanted all these kids coming back again uh, next year. And I, I just want to, we could brag as she did on everyone, but I want to highlight uh, a, a couple teams because it's not like Tony as the leader said okay this is your assignment go love on that kid or this is your assignment go do this but just the natural spiritual uh, walk of these kids and I'm running out of time but like Rohana I had kind of talked to her was she going to share the story about those teenage girls because I don't know of many people much less teenagers that actually sit down and take the time and listen to somebody's life story and I was having I was driving the kids back home and Rohana was telling me their story and I'm like who does that especially as a teenager who invests that time and compassion into kids that they just met and later on one evening I went outside and it's sunset and there's Rohana with a little boy out on the swing set and she's just loving on that little boy, not because anybody's watching or not because she gets extra points for her report card or whatever, just because it was a natural thing to do. And, um, and Talon, I'm, and I'm going to skip one, um, you know, the guys, you know, they got to build. And, you know, as a, as a teenage boy, that is really cool. I get to work with saws and hammers and, and nails. And, you know, if you ever watch the Tim Allen show, the guys are going around, ar, 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 you know, they're, they're doing manly stuff, you know. And, and Talon got stuck with the old guy and says, like, okay, we're going to stand here over our head with a sheetrock knife and cut sheetrock ceiling and let all the dust and the years of junk that is on top of that ceiling and from the attic fall in his face and then somebody put a brick behind me and I broke my hand. So Talon was working by himself at that point and uh, not doing the cool stuff, not hammering and nailing. Uh, and then when he was done patching the sheetrock and it was time for Talon to join the group and do the cool stuff, somebody said, you know the septic tank that's not working? We need somebody to dig up the septic tank. Well, Talon, since you don't have a job, here's a pick. Go dig up a septic tank in 98 degree weather, no digging a ditch. Out of all the trials 
that these kids went through, never once, not once, did I ever hear any murmuring or complaining or this and that and the other. Um, but yet they always had energy late at night to go hang out at the swing set till like 11.30 at night. <laughs> but they did have some downtime. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for allowing us to go represent Grace Point and represent Jesus Christ to the Navajo Nation. What is your Judea? What is your Samaria? Next week, we're going to talk about the ends of the earth. And our focus survey teams are going to be here. And we're going to share about our trip to Lebanon and to Thailand. And talk about places where there's great spiritual darkness, where a light needs to shine bright. Next week, we're going to share a little bit about that. So I hope that you'll, you'll come back. Live your witness where you are. Wherever you are, be witnesses for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity these students have had to, to go and to uh, rub shoulders with uh, folks uh, very different uh, from them, very different from our culture here, Lord, and to uh, be united in the bond of Christ, uh, to work alongside them, to minister to them, to come away or changed because of of what you're doing in their hearts and the hearts of the Navajo people. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity they've had. Lord, we pray for us as individuals and as a church that we would take our task seriously to be witnesses for you here in Newtown, Bucks County, in our region, and in our world. Lord, give us wisdom to do that well, to be good witnesses for you as we live our lives daily, and as you call us to go and to share in different places around the world. Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.